Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Intergalactic Interviews, episode 160. My name is Guy David McDonald. I'm here with uh, C Mart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brother Jamie is taking uh, taking the week off. He's got some uh, some medical conditions that uh, that need to be addressed. Uh, we wish you the best, brother. Okay, today we are here with two very uh, very uh, uh, outstanding members of the musical and uh, artistic community uh, here in in Canada and over the border. First, I'd like to introduce a uh, photographer, a videographer, a musician. A survivor and a lover. His name is R.D. Kane. Wow, wow, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'll take that. I'd like to welcome thanks, you on the show. Thanks, 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 you don't. We're, we're going to get into uh, the things that you do and uh, and uh, a little bit of your history. The other guy we got sitting at the table here is uh, a legend in his own right, a musician, Winnipeg-born, lives in Los Angeles, has many credentials to his name. His name is Richard Dugay. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you, guys. I thought you were going to say a legend in his own mind. I really thought that. <laughs> and you wouldn't be wrong. And you would, and you would not be wrong. Beautiful. So, uh, Artie, you're a photographer. I am. Uh, how long have you been uh, doing the photographs, my friend? Uh, well, uh, wow, that's a tough question. Um, Really, it all starts with like when I was like 17 years old. I left home in Toronto, and I ended up on in Gibson's on the West Coast. And I started working on the Beachcombers, a TV show. And within within like 48 hours of me arriving here, I was on the crew, and I was working in the camera department. So wow. I, I always had like an idea of what cameras were about, but that was like massive university right away instant and because i my older brother got me the job but he left um two days after i arrived so i did nothing but learn i was the young camper what on year the was this you were saying 1974 wow so i was a youngster and uh, i just learned i learned how to load magazines i learned how to shoot i learned how to you know change lenses do all that stuff on legit motion, film cameras yeah film cameras motion picture cameras yeah. Uh, but you know what? The CBC was brilliant at that time because it was the only game in the whole country. So nobody else was shooting film. And uh, we just always worked. And we had no dough. Like there was no money. So we just made stuff up as we went along. So it was like the best university I could have ever asked for. Amazing. Yeah. yeah it was pretty I grew amazing. up watching the Beachcombers. Yeah. Absolutely. I know Bruno personally. Or I did. I did. <laughs> did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. You do a lot of uh, videos for talent in in Vancouver. When did you like kind of cut out on your own and start doing videos uh, outside of uh, like the CBC or, or bigger organizations? Well, it's like I I, I was so lucky, Giton. Man, honestly, I'm, I was blessed. I was in the right place at the right time. So when I came here in 1974, the CBC opened up the big building that they have here. And, uh, uh, and I, I was making film on uh, doing the beachcombers. And in the winter months, I was in, at the big building that they had at Hamilton in Georgia. And uh, I started working on a TV show called Switchback um, that I, I wrote I and produced Switchback. with, with uh, Nigel Cosmicus and I. And uh, I, would, I would do little music videos for the local bands. Lori Mustard? Are we talking about Lori Mustard? No. no uh, different show. Different yeah, different places. The country, oh, different. Yeah. Okay. So we started it here in Vancouver. And, uh, you know, a guy named Gord White, uh, who is now one of the lead clowns for Cirque du Soleil. Really? Another guy named uh, uh, Rick Scott, who was part of the Pied Pumpkin trio there. So it was really an eclectic Colin Mockery. There was a lot of young, really talented people that went off to do big things. So we sort of flew under the radar. Uh, and we had no money, so I did little choosy music videos for my friends here. And they would, you know, we had 90 minutes worth of live television. We had. As far back as the 70s. This was like 1978, 79. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, then I, and then much music came along. Uh, and so I was the guy. Like, I was a young guy. I was 25 years old. I knew what the hell a film camera was. And I did a couple for Art Bergman uh, that went crazy, uh, that went really crazy. And uh, Bong John Baldry and a bunch of other local guys, Maurice and the Clichés, and ton tons of them from that era of time. Uh, and then I moved to Toronto, and, you know. In, back uh, to Toronto. Back to Toronto yeah. in 1984. 
which led into commercials, which led into movies, which uh, really was, man, I just always did it. I never did anything else. I don't know how to do anything else. Except That's bug, amazing. Except you did a video in. for me last year, and uh, yeah. I, I, I thank you greatly. You did it for me, I don't know if I want to say for free, for but free. Uh, you did it for free. Yeah. And uh, it's a great I, price. I love you for it. I used it uh, Thanks, for the promo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, uh, like there's, as I, I've gotten older in my old age, and uh, you know, I really like. I know what I said. He's like, my manager. He's like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, I, I, I get. Uh, uh, I, I like. I like supporting the guys that like that are supporting themselves, right? And a minute, right away, I recognize that you were into doing something but would take it and do something with it, right? So I'm just not into doing them for free for people that are just going to show them to their grandparents and stuff. I mean, I'm tired of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I used it yeah. for promotion yeah. for, for last year's acoustic tour, and it, it, uh, it totally helped us. It was really uh, successful, book, and that was, book, a, that was a great thing. Gigs and everything, yeah. So you, you do something. You, you, uh, what we did it with that one was execute a simple idea. So I bring my camera down, a couple of lights. We rip it off in a couple of hours, and uh, and it's really not that that very huge simple. A deal. I think very the uh, the video matches the song very yeah. very well. Yeah, yeah. I thank you for that. Oh, you're, it was my pleasure. What Just, song was that? Uh, I know you by Skeeter and the Deets. You can find it on Facebook. We haven't even posted it to any other yeah uh, no other any other sites yet. because that one's got like well over ten thousand hits. Which is really very cool. That's that's what makes Blue me. That's the it's, reward uh, it's for me. The most viewed thing that I've ever been a, a part yeah, of, and I, yeah. I again, I thank you for well, for doing that for me. I mean, that's the, the the you know at, at this stage of my life, I really like I like I like I like the smile on your face when I can read. You know, that's that's cool. That's cool. People appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah. So it's fun. Yes, sir. Okay, um, I'm going to move on to uh, to Richard. I want to get some of your some of your history as well. I know you grew up in Winnipeg, two hours from where I grew up. Exactly. So coming up as a, uh, a child and a teenager, what turned you on to music and, uh, and uh, some of your first projects, I suppose, uh, from Winnipeg? Oh, hmm. I got into music pretty young through mostly my two cousins, one from my dad's side, one from my mom's. Um, one of them was an actual singer who uh, the first live thing I ever saw was in a basement in Winnipeg. They were running through like Zeppelin and Santana and uh, Deep Purple and stuff like that. And it was pretty... And actually the drummer in that band is Mitch Dorge, who went on to play with the Crash Test Dummies, I believe. Wow. I believe that's what it was. But anyway, um, so... They kind of nurtured me in kind of a, in a way, and my other How old would you have been at that time? 10, 11, something like that. There was no music in my household growing up. I mean, it was, uh, no need to go back that far, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't a a musical household. Um, But my other cousin was huge into music. He'd buy like tons of records, mostly 45s. It's a vinyl thing. It's a seven inch. I don't know if you've. Oh, spit it out. Yeah. We, we all know records. Yeah, They're making a comeback these days. I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm just waiting. I need help here. Um, and he would move on because he was young. He was older than me. But, you know, how you kind of move from one as you get older, you more sophisticated. Mm. So it started off like bubble gum stuff that was big in the 60s and 70s and it moved on and so i would buy them off him for cheap and they would god i can't even remember what they were but the archies sugar that was one of them absolutely spirit in the sky norman greenbaum eve of destruction was my first barry mcguire that was earlier though um i'm older yes older (laughs) um so anyway kind of just Grew into that and just then, of course, found my own thing, musical things. I remember hearing Kick Out the Jams by the MC5 at one of my friend's house. His uncle had it. It was on 8-track. I love them 8-tracks. Yeah. And uh, this other friend who I hadn't seen in 40 years, 
we actually came out to the show on Friday night in Winnipeg, which was great. And that's the his place was the first place I ever heard Raw Power, which was probably 1973 or four maybe when it came out. It came out in '73, but um, and that kind of started me down that the uh, what became punk rock, known as punk rock, a few years later. And I remember taking. Uh, I wanted to play guitar, so. My dad was playing baseball, and a guy on the team was selling music lessons. So I bugged my dad, and so the guy came over to the house to do an aptitude test. And I was thrilled and excited because I was going to get to learn how to play guitar. So he comes over with an accordion, and I did my aptitude test, musical aptitude test on an accordion, and I failed miserably, of course. So that <clears throat> dashed my dreams for a few years. And then when the Ramones came out, and it's, I'm still in therapy <laughs> over that. Rather. I was wondering, do you have like a, a natural hatred for the accordion now or a yeah. deep love of it? Uh, the Shimaleski brothers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. That's all Just I'm saying. saying. Just saying. Um, who's the Canadian guy with the accordion? I mean, he's like won 20 Grammys with oh, the accordion. Something uh, Austin? I can't remember. I can't recall. Love that guy. Love him. Who won 20 Grammys for the accordion. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he's won 20 like Grammys for this accordion. Um, Not front page yeah. news. Well, there's no uh, nobody else playing accordion. So, like, <laughs> right. it's, it's, you know, it's like it's a good genre to get into. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, that kind of took a back seat, but I, you know. And then when like the Ramones came out and all that. And there was a quote from this um, fanzine out of England in 76, I think, or it might have been likely 77, Brian James from The Damned. And uh, the quote was, no one playing in a band is worthless. And it, 40 years later, it's still with me. And through, you know, buying Sex Pistols and The Damned and The Clash and all the early stuff, me and this friend of mine, who was also playing with me on Friday, which was amazing, that 40 years later we're still playing together whenever we can, we just picked up an instrument. I picked up a cheap guitar and he picked up drums and we just started playing because, and that's the, to me, the biggest gift that punk rock gave me. It was that you, anybody can do anybody it. Anybody could do if it. You I want. went through the same thing in 91 when I saw Nirvana come across the screen on MTV. Yeah. I was like, what? You don't have to be Guns N' Roses? That's exactly or... what it gave me. It's like when I was younger, the way it was, at least my perception, was that you had to be this, not a god, but to be a guitar player or you know a great player or a singer or whatever. It was kind of just on a different level. And then when punk rock, like to, I, you know, people nowadays, you know, the Sex Pistols were like a boy band. They were manufactured, and and whether or not, I don't think it's true to a large degree. But regardless, is they gave me the, as you would say, mm-hmm. the permission to suck. Yeah. But because I loved it, and it allowed it allowed me to buy a cheap guitar and, and start. You know. Amazing. And, uh, you know, the journey has been long and arduous. Worth it. Oh, but absolutely. Absolutely worth it. F. Scott Fitzgerald, great author, he was asked, because he was around in Paris in the 20s and, you know, with all the, the whole world, which is looked on with amazement nowadays, but they asked him, like maybe towards the end of his life, he goes, you were in Paris and... Hemingway and all this amazing stuff and and he goes said, what was it like F. Scott Fitzgerald goes the price was high <laughs> which I thought was pretty simple yet succinct <laughs> um, <laughs> but true you know and it's sort of the same thing I mean would I change a thing absolutely not you know I been a lot of amazing things and uh, musically it's almost always been amazing 
you know, the, the lifestyle choices I made along the way, you know, all of a sudden you're hurtling over the cliff at 300 miles an hour and it's like, ooh, this is going to hurt. As long as you learn those yes, lessons yes. And, and... And you survive correct, them. Correct them when, when they need to be, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I didn't pay much attention to the signs on the way yeah. over the cliff. But, yeah, you know, we hopefully, hopefully we learn at least a little bit from everything. And until one day, for me anyway, I realized that uh, I couldn't be you know in a in a larger sense the man i sh- knew i could be and should be and that encompassed my whole life not just music for sure but i have never been so you know i don't know prolific would be the right word but uh, you know in the last 10 years when i decided to change my ways let's say uh, uh. I have never been so focused and, and you know, and, you know, it's, I've done some things that were quite popular and, and you know, a lot of things that weren't, but, you know, hey. Um, but I've never been one to, I was in a band in 19, early 80s called Personality Crisis that have some acclaim. And Did certain, that start in Winnipeg? Yes. Yeah, that was, we started in 1980. I'm kind of all over the place. And it was a local act for for how long? Because I know you you guys did actually uh, break out and do some do some traveling and uh, and actually spreading the word. Yeah, we. What's the history on that? A little bit of. Well, I'll go back a couple years just to lead yeah. up to yeah. it quickly. Um, in 1977, early 78, we started playing music. Like I was kind of. I was born in 78. By yes, the way. so I was I was learning guitar in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> trying to anyway so we, me and my friend who we started together Mark Halderson we started a band called Low Life and uh, you know we were like really the first punk rock band and there was other bands but they were we were like the only band that was really just learning how to play as we went you know you know which is whatever but so we ended up you know, we gigged around Winnipeg and stuff like that. We put out a single in 1979, uh, which is just got released a few months, re-released a few months ago on Hozak Records out of Chicago. Um, and the original ones are selling for three or four hundred dollars now, wow. if you can get one. How many vinyl copies are you yes. talking? Yes. Uh, how many? How do you know what? How many were printed at the time? Uh, 972. 972 vinyl copies of Personality and Crisis. No, ni- this is Low Life. This, this is Low Life, life. Yes. 1978. It came out in 79. 79. Yeah. So anyway, Low Life imploded right when the record came out, of course. And um, there was this other band that kind of came out of it. They didn't come out of it, but Mark and I ended up joining this band called La Kill. It was a sort of druggy, psychedelic band. They were great, but the they went through some personnel changes, and Mark and I joined them, and we decided that it wouldn't be right to call it what it was, so we, with a few different members and stuff, it turned into personality crisis. And uh, our first sort of touring for that, I was still playing bass. I was playing bass at that point. We did three shows with the Romantics in 1981. We played Winnipeg, Regina, and Saskatoon, which was quite the jump for us because, you know, we'd played bars and clubs and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, they were huge because that... Shut up. You know, we're trying to do an interview here, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Did my phone ring? Phone's blown Did up. my yeah. phone ring? Did my phone ring when they were when they were asking you questions? My stocks went up. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my books, they didn't. Oh no! No, exactly. Um, so, and then we had some more member changes and stuff like that, and. Um, we did a record. We started in '83, 
and we were touring the West, like Calgary, a little bit of Edmonton, Regina. We played a couple of times, Vancouver a lot. Um, and then we would go down and started going down the coast to uh, San Francisco and Seattle and stuff like that. And that's basically was our turf was like the West Coast and then Western Canada. We, uh, you know, we starved and, you know, but it was as musicians do. Yeah. You know, I always look back on it at, you know, at the time, you know, I didn't own anything other than my guitar, my amp and a suitcase of clothes. I had no. How old were you at this time? Um, this would have been ninety or eighty-three. I'm sorry, I was like twenty-two, twenty-one, twenty-two. I had no place to live, NFA as they used to call it, mm-hmm. no fixed address. Yeah. But in looking, it was the only time in my life. Not that it's been bad since, but where I could actually say that I was free in this world. There I was like no. That. There was no roots, there was no bills, there was, it was just wherever we went, that was it, you know, that, that's the world. And it was, um, you know, as F. Scott, the price was high, ultimately, you know, but it was amazing. You know, we made, we just, long before the internet and cell phones and stuff. It was a, a really interesting period of time, creatively, in Canada, for our generation, from... Mm-hmm. Uh, from 1975 to 1985, right? Both musically and for what it was that I was doing. Yeah, absolutely. And because we were Canadian, we didn't have nearly the money that anybody else had or nearly the opportunity. So the ballsy ones that would uh, really just be creative, you had to be really creative in order to get seen or, or advance down the thing. And it took a band uh, like Personality Crisis to get in a van and just go and not and, and be young enough, naive enough, and cocksure enough to go. Yeah, Buck, let's go to San Francisco. Yeah, right. Buck, let's go to New York. Yeah, Buck, yeah, let's go. Let's go to L.A. Uh, but that's you, how you, you do can't, it. You to this day, that's still how you do it. Totally. You, you, yeah, but there's. I don't know that you're as welcomed in mm-hmm. in L.A. as, as right. you would be, or in San Francisco. The, it's like this is a different. The market is time. definitely saturated, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. it's and a lot tougher to, to roll in yeah. and, and be recognized. Because we were the first ones doing it. Or certainly, like I did it in film, but he did it in in a band. But uh, there weren't a lot of guys doing it back then, right? Well, right. proportionately. Proportionately, now. yeah. Now it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you were good, it got recognized. I mean, there, you know, there wasn't the pipeline of information that's available now. But, you know, I mean, being mid-plus 50s, at, you know, it's like, well, I remember when, you know, it's... But it was different, but yet I agree with you. There was no better way than to get out, to get out and be seen and work it. You know, and it's like a lot of, you know, and I'm this year, this kind of my goal is to put up more records and do more shows and kind of rather than just do like Toronto, Winnipeg and Vancouver is to play the cities in between, you know, and and I have no expectations or delusions or illusions, same thing, of anything other than this is what I'm supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah. It's I like, like that, and yeah. you've been pursuing it your entire life, and there's no reason you should stop now. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you, you should definitely uh, yeah, pursue that. I, I think absolutely. Uh, I think it's legit. It, so it, we're talking about uh, personality crisis in the mid-'80s. Yes. How long did personality crisis run to? Uh, it went from 81 to 84. It's pretty, you know, in the, you know, the, I found out tonight that the world is about four and a half billion years old. <laughs> you did. Where'd you hear that? I, you know, I, I may have been somewhere. I can't remember who. So, you know, three years in that, and I do think in those terms sometimes, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's just a, a speck, you know. Um, so not a very long period of time. Uh, we crammed a lot of... Keep going. Keep going. I saw a smirk there. Um, yeah, it, it imploded. We had no management. Um, you know, the being young, naive, and cocksure, and all that stuff. Poor planning. 
Well, did you have you would a have, road manager you, at least that you, was level headed? You would have to, to actually have planning in order for it to be poor. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sub poor. It was well, <laughs> yes. It always amazes me that tours like in general could happen just people made it to the towns, the cities, it worked out. And then someone's like, hey, hold on, we can do this professionally and have a manager or someone that is like keeping an eye on shit. And before it would be like, I wouldn't even know. Yeah. But it would just, it seems like it's surprising that it worked out at all. Yeah. Well, in spite of that. Sure, yes. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we were, you know, dare I say, quite a good band, you know, and the legacy maybe is larger Obviously than... in the, the three or four years that you did it, you made a, a big stamp. In, in, a, in a small chunk of real estate, you know. But we were never really ever approached by, like, management or booking mm. or... And, you know, as things go when you're... Or as they went in my 20s and the rest of the guys... You know, there was probably, or possibly, a little too much alcohol and allegedly and, and uh, other allegedly. things. You know, um, and you know, you can't sustain a band playing one night a week on the road. Absolutely not. You know, and we would be making and you know unless all, you're you too, right? And uh, we were not you too, apparently. Um, <laughs> Or did you mean like the U2 movement? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or as well. The Me Too movement? Or the, the... Yeah, the Me Too movement. I meant the band. Yeah. The oh. Band. <laughs> Just clarifying. <laughs> I, I don't want to be misquoted here. No, no. Um, so it, you know, it got ugly and it kind of just fell apart. Um were you still basically out of Winnipeg at the time? Or at what we point were, did you decide to, uh, you personally, leave Winnipeg and, and oh, pursue? Oh, uh, I was still, I mean, like I said earlier, I was. there was no real home. But no Winnipeg address. was kind of where right. we ended up. Two of the guys at that point lived in Calgary. So it was kind of, we'd get together, rehearse, write songs, tour, and we'd end up back in Winnipeg. They'd go back to Calgary for six months or four months or whatever. So, yeah, I was in Winnipeg from, that was 84, and did some other bands, local stuff from 84 till 88, and then um, moved to Vancouver, late 88, and, you know, with the, I don't know if Dream would be this, but just to maybe try it in a bigger city. That's why I came out here. You know? And what I have found over the years that is that uh, scenes, you know, music scenes and stuff, they're all exactly the same no matter where you go. Um, you know, like the whole, uh, not six degrees of separation, but it's it's interesting how small our, I'll use us collectively, yeah. no, how small. I, the, I see that when I'm traveling right, everywhere. Right. The music scene makes the world seem a very small place. It yeah. does. Because everyone's a, met everyone. If you haven't met someone in the music scene, all you have to do is travel through that town and go to one show, you're going to meet that person. Yes, and uh, which is amazing. You know? Absolutely. It's, That's why uh, we do it. But, uh, you know, moving out to Vancouver, yeah, the clubs are bigger. There's more. But it's it's kind of six of one, half dozen. You know, it's like... And back then, you know, you at least I thought, you know, if I moved from Winnipeg, and I was sort of known in Vancouver just because personality crisis had been here through here so many times. And it certainly helped in the relocation and getting people to play and stuff. So yeah, you know, we I was here from eighty eight to ninety one, I think. Ninety or ninety one. And then down to LA and then back and forth for years and Did you end up getting uh like uh what's that called? Uh, dual citizenship or or something like that? No. No. How do, um, how do you live down in LA now? Well, I, I'm married to a, a woman who is actually dual citizen. So I have a resident alien card, I believe they're called. Green card. Green card, yes. <laughs> Canadian with a green card. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it sure helps, yes. So your, your time, worst nightmare. Your, yeah. Yeah. 
your time in LA has obviously been good to you. I know there's been several uh, projects that you've you've uh, been involved in, including uh, Guns N' Roses Spaghetti Incident and uh, touring with M- Duff McKagan and uh, some Johnny Thunders stuff and uh, yeah. all these things. Th- these are all uh, things that came across your plate while you were down there. I I, I would uh, I would I will give you a quick backstory. Okay. Most of them, okay. yeah. I, I had met Duff. In 1982, I believe, when I was in person at a crisis, when we were playing in Seattle, we just, we met one night, and uh, occasionally in my life I have met people where the first time you meet them and hang out, there's just that instant, like you just kind of unconsciously know Unconscious being the operative word there. Um, <clears throat> Don't look at me. Allegedly. 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 Yes. Rumor has it um, that you just knew that there was, you were going to be f- really tight and good close friends. I don't know why. It happens sometimes. And we kept in touch. We left and went down to what, San Francisco where we were playing. And we kept in touch over the years and, uh, when I was, I went down, we went down the Spandos and TT Racer with Paul McKenzie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we moved to L.A. in 91, I think it was 91. And uh, what year was it? I think it was 90, it must have been 92. Duff was getting ready to do his solo record, uh, Believe in Me, as it turned out. And he asked me if, called me one night and said, Hey, do you want to play guitar on You Can't Put Your Arms or on a memory, Johnny Thunders? And I said, sure, you know. He goes, well, come down tomorrow night, whatever it was, to the studio, and uh, don't have to bring a guitar. I have guitars. And so I went down there and, you know, hilarity. Hilarity and Hilarity and <laughs> Thank you. Um, and eventually we ended up with the track, and, uh, you know, I kind of didn't forget about it, but it was, you know, whatever. And I was doing other stuff, playing with other bands. And um, I moved back to Canada in 90... It must have been 93, early 93, I think it was. And was, you know, I was working construction and, you know, I don't even know if I was playing. Yeah, I was playing with some people around town and my ex-wife and I we decided to go back to Winnipeg just for a holiday or whatever so we had our dog German Shepherd and we just bought a 76 Cordoba with the uh, it wasn't the fine Corinthian leather it was the uh, but anyway so we were in, instead of taking the number one all the way because I'd done it a million times we were going to go through the states anyway the the first night we get into Montana, and the the engine blows up. Oh no! So we're on the side of the road, and it's ninety three. It's summer, early summer ninety three. And there's no cell phones, and so some trucker called AAA. Luckily, so they this guy finally came and took us to. I'll make this as short mm. as possible. Took us. He goes, oh, a friend of mine runs a motel just down down the road. And we're like, okay. So, and it's pitch black. It's like a Saturday night, and you know, there's you're in the middle of nowhere. So he flips around and gets on the other side of the freeway, and we're driving, and it's kind of like, you know, what could possibly go wrong here? So he pulls off the freeway, and it's pitch black. It's not like there's anything. And all I could think about was the deliverance kind of. Yeah, it came to mind. So we pull off and it's driving and I'm just like, oh, fuck, we are, we are in something here. So out of nowhere, there's this hotel or a, a bar. It wasn't a hotel, it was a bar. And he pulls in front and we're like, okay. I was pretty happy that we had our German Shepherd with us at that point, at least, you know. Like a long... Some sort of sense of security. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fleeting, but <laughs> yes. And, you know, I had long hair, leather jacket, and my wife was, you know, 
thin, blonde, tall, and this German Shepherd with a heart condition. Yeah. Just sound like the Twilight Zone. Yeah, totally, completely. So we get out of the, the, the whatever, the guy's truck, tow truck, and we go into the bar. It's a Saturday night, and you ever see Werewolf, uh, what's it called? American Werewolf in London yes. or whatever it's called, yeah. when they walk into that bar and everything stops, time mm-hmm. stops, sound yeah. stops. Yeah. It was exactly like that. Like, you don't belong here. It, everything stopped and everybody turned around. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit. And it's like, it's all rednecks. It's all completely white. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm white. I don't know if you knew that or not, but <laughs> so I was, you know, at least we got one thing going for sure, us. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, we ended up spending a week there because <laughs> the car was screwed and he'd sent parts off to Missoula to get machined. And, and so we ended up there a week. Sounds like a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, there, there were some things that happened there that I won't go into, but De Borgia, Montana. Look it up sometime. Sure. It's a lovely place. So we go like, screw this. We're going to go back to Vancouver. So the car was screwed even after we spent a thousand bucks on it. The, the bar owner made the garage give us back all of the money except for what he spent machining the parts and then he gave us a car to drive home in which was a an aspen or something like that with idaho plates i didn't ask any questions i just wanted to get home did you keep your car oh yeah yeah yeah. it was going that was a trade it was a trade (laughs) there was no problem crossing the border with these idaho plates no that's when the border wasn't an issue it was 93. It was eight years before it would be an issue. Not really an issue. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we get back, and it's the following Saturday, and there was a uh, a message on the answering machine. It's like, hey, it's uh, my friend Joey from L.A. He goes, hey, call me tonight. You know, I want you to come down and play in Duff's band. So I was like, so I call him. He goes, hey, you want to come down and try out for Duff's band playing bass? And I was like, yeah, sure, when? He goes, you need to be here tomorrow. So I was like, well, I ain't got no money for a plane ticket. So your brother's going to have to do a lot of editing, obviously. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Allegedly. Thank thank you, Brother James. Um, So he goes, well, hang on, I'll get back to you. And Guns N' Roses manager calls me. He goes, are you going to come down and do this? You know, it'd be great. I said, yeah, said, I don't have the money for a plane. He goes, oh, don't worry. The travel agent's calling you in five minutes, and we'll see you tomorrow. So I was like, cool. So I said goodbye to the wife and flew down and auditioned. And, uh, yeah, so all of a sudden, you know, we're... I mean, there there was no bass playing to be done? You just walked in and uh, they gave you the... It was always going to (laughs) be... I mean, I had known Duff for... Yeah, yeah, longer sure. than anybody sure, else, yeah. and then, so I always thought it was hilarious that they said it was an audition. <laughs> I was like, "It's bass. How hard can it be?" Oh wow! That's <laughs> oh, shot, oh, shots fired! Oh. Shots fired! I've been saying it for years. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, okay. I've been playing bass seriously <laughs> since 1978. I mean, I, I I can play bass, and I know you can too. It wasn't a wasn't a shot at you. Although, have you I just heard it all? Bass players. Have you heard him play bass? Yeah. <laughs> that's what. That's who they should have called. Uh, pure um, so anyway, so we had you know, uh, his record had come out, but you can't put your arms in a memory wasn't on it. And I was like, mm, okay, whatever. Um, so we, the tour was to go playing stadiums and or arenas mostly actually, in Europe, opening for the Scorpions which was, you know, they weren't one of my favorite bands growing up, but I certainly liked the Scorpions. And we were opening up for them. And we got the tour because the Scorpions manager, Doc McGee, who's a famous rock manager, 
Bon Jovi Kiss and all that. He was playing golf with Guns N' Roses manager, and they had a bet on some about putting or this hole. <laughs> and Doc McGee lost, so we got on the tour. That's that's how tours are booked, people. Classic, classic. It's yeah. it's not about who you that's know. How millionaires <laughs> play their cards. Exactly. Yeah. Is um, so yeah. We went over there <clears throat> like three months. Played like all over. Amazing. Cool. It was it was like because it was Duff. Duff had his own band at the time called like the Duff McKagan Band. That's or what? that's who we were. Yeah. yeah, we were we were Duff the yeah. band. Right. And, uh, I've seen his Netflix show. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it was totally like a a live presentation by him, where he's he's going through his his life. Oh, his book. Yeah. I think. Yeah, they, I it's think from they, his book. They, uh, oh. it, it's. I saw it too. It's called "It's So Easy and Other Lies." That's with, it. Yeah. And it's him in Seattle, I think, doing a live. Yeah thing but we're also reading from his book right i think it was a reenactment of his book yes. for for the stage yes exactly. very interesting yeah i mean he's had an interesting life i'm a survivor as well you know so yeah i, I got to go or we got to go to europe for th- three months stayed in five-star hotels and had the tour bus and played in front of fifteen thousand people three or four nights a week and uh yeah it was you know, from playing, you know, Winnipeg, tiny, yeah, <laughs> yeah, playing, you know, small, tiny places yeah. in Winnipeg or tiny places here in Vancouver. It. You know, a, that's a hell of an experience. It, well, it was, uh, and you know, I couldn't get over the fact that I get to do all that, and and they're paying me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was like a real tour. It was amazing. It was great, killer. Yeah. And then, sorry, nope. I'll finish yeah, that. Right. Up. Yeah. Uh, then I found out that. The that Axel Rose had heard Duff's version of "You Can't Put Your Own a Memory," and the reason it wasn't on Duff's record was because Axel demanded that it be on the Guns N' Roses record. Really, the, the spaghetti, that's the spaghetti incident. incident thing. That's yeah. how you made it on the spaghetti incident. And so I made it on the spaghetti incident through the back door. Wow. Yeah. And I always kind of thought, with no disrespect to anybody, but because Duff's record didn't sell that well, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of lucked out in that respect where, you know, now I have this platinum record, you know, sitting in they my studio. They gave you a platinum record for that? Yeah. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So, you Did know. you get royalties for that album and all that? No, because no, no, it's they all. they paid you for the session. Yes, but and it's all covers. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. yeah, I mean, the funny thing, I got, which is, a, what do they call it? Studio work? Studio fee, whatever. Yeah. There's a term for it, which I think was Five hundred odd dollars session, session yeah, fee. Yeah. Thank you. You've obviously done more than I have. One or two. Yeah, that's about one or I'm one sure more than I have. <laughs> um, so the pay for that was around five hundred bucks. And after I got a check a few months later, or whatever. After taxes, I think I got about two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which I thought was hilarious. And you said thank you. Absolutely. To the government. Uh, <laughs> Just joking. Yeah, I mean, at the joking. time, I was really broke, so oh, yeah, I wasn't yeah, thrilled enough, about yeah. that, but, no, fair you know, it was but, like, you know, but taxation is theft. Totally, but from a guy who's, like, been wanting to play guitar my entire life, like, to be able to be able to get that far is, like, yeah. monumental. Oh, it's it's Major. something I yeah. never really yeah. ever dreamed of, That's really, awesome. you know? I mean... Yeah. It's not about the money, and yeah. you know, it really, it never was. It was about, you know, and I quit, you know, fifteen years ago playing music because it's, you know, you know, for personal issues, let's say. But then when I got sober, or whatever, nine and change years ago, I started playing again and recording and learning how to use recording software and all that stuff. And I realized at one point that I was doing it again for exactly the same reasons I started. Mm-hmm. It wasn't sex and drugs. It was for the love of music. And I, you know, I can say that with a straight face cause it's, I didn't start out to be, it was because I loved guitar and music and, 
it was all about the music and then that kind of got a little diluted along the way just because that's the way it goes sometimes but i realized like six or seven eight years ago that i was actually doing it for exactly the same reasons that i started playing and uh it's, you know i mean you said blessed earlier or whatever oh, but fuck. you know it's like i'm just some kid from saint boniface you know and you know, of course, everybody, or not everybody, but you know, dreaming as a young kid, a rock star, mm-hmm. you know, and that never, you know, never really happened. That's not the point. It's the point that, you know, here I sit today talking with you guys and you. And me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I still get to do it. Right. You know, and, you know, it's... It's more than I could have ever really hoped for in that respect. And mm-hmm. and if you don't mind, I'm going to tie this in and, and I was you know and I and I the, and yeah. I get to started help you out. There. <laughs> um, along the way, we meet people. You know, I met you. We played in a band together. First one time, night. first time I met you was uh, yes. it was a fuck band thing. If anyone doesn't fuck know what a band, fuck band is, fuck bandioki or something. Uh, yeah, a bunch yeah. of musicians get together in a room and you kind of draw names and you may end up playing an instrument that you don't know how to play, <laughs> or an instrument that you do know how to play. And it was uh, my first time riching, riching meter, <laughs> my first time meeting Richard. <clears throat> I think it was called like the Shanghai Tigers or something like that. Yeah. Was it something like yes, that? Yes, that's what it was. Yes. And uh, not only do you do you pick out of a hat to uh, to pick who's in the bands, but who plays what what uh, instrument, and they gave you an envelope of songs that probably none of you in the band know how to play. <laughs> so you get 15 minutes to figure out the three songs, and then you have to go up and perform them. And we did this right. together for the first time. I think we were probably the best act of the night. I, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> was that the uh, Was that the Born to Be Wild night? Yes. <laughs> Michael also played that night. Um, yeah, but I mean, a lot. The journey, you know, is about you know meeting Duff. You know, he wasn't just another. That's the thing. It, it's and almost like another testament to how small the music industry really is. Absolutely. If you do a little bit of traveling, the chances of you meeting the people that are actually out there doing the things that you want to do are, yep. they're there. You're they're, not going to meet them sitting at home, across. that's for sure. That's, that's right. So, the, and, you know, this journey, this chapter, the last six, seven years, like, like four years ago, I think, I think it was like four and change. Yeah. I think we met in November for yeah. like last year 2013 i believe it was this is for the uh the fuck you fame horse stuff it was prior to that prior to it that. was just prior to that um i was playing what's that place on broadway um the fairview the fairview oh yeah i was playing a show at the fairview and this mutual friend of ours um introduced us or basically set up an introduction and i met michael and you know He's a photographer. I was like, okay. All right, whatever. And so I met him on Main Street, I believe, <laughs> Main Street. And he goes, okay, uh, we're going to take some pictures. And, like, All right. and, you know, most photo shoots I'd been on, they'd, you know, they're a couple of hours, set up the lights and <laughs> test, you know, test prints and uh, whatever. Polaroids. Test prints <laughs> on the shoot. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. So... He's like, okay, you know, do this, do that. And like five minutes later, he goes, okay, that's cool, I got it. And I was like, huh? Bro, this guy's been doing it. Since or or has no idea what he's doing. No I mean, I don't know at this point. So Either way anyway, we, you know, we, it was another case of, um, another case of meeting somebody who when you meet, you have all these things in common Mm-hmm. And you just kind of know that this person's, you know, in general sense, is going to be a part of your life for mm-hmm. at least a part of the journey forward or whatever. And it was, uh, what's the, okay, the first video was 2014. was three or four months later yeah. at the start of the Fuck You Fame Horror period, which was... Uh, was the first one all shot down? 
Was that the very first one we did? It is. Holy crap. Is that a project that was spearheaded by someone in, in, in particular, or you guys came up with well, this was, together? Well, it was the way it happened, Michael, I think it was the first time you had come down to L.A. It was the first was, time I was in L.A., and I remember sitting in, your, in the back patio. And, uh, by, he had written, by the pool. By the pool. Yes. He had sorry. written a song with Mike, a guy named Mike Hudson that Allegedly. sang it, uh, All Shot Down. And another friend of mine, Dave Raven, played guitar on it. Yes. And Paula sang on it. And we were We were just there. And uh, I wanted to be in this video. Like, I wanted to find a little cameo for me to be in this video. So we figured out something for me to do. Uh, and we just didn't want to say fame whore. Do you remember? Well, I, I remember exactly how it... Yeah. Okay, I will back it up a little bit. Uh, Mike Hudson, who, was, who passed away last, late last year... He was in a punk rock band from 1977 from Cleveland called The Pagans. Um, and I met him out in L.A. Uh, a few months before you came out. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, just after, just after we had met. There, yeah. And uh, we had talked a bit, and I'd sang on one of their records, the, one of the new ones, three and change years ago. And then in January, I was talking to Mike about starting... He wrote a book. He was an author as well. He wrote a book called Fame Whore. And I thought, that's a great name for a band. So, and I told Mike, I said, hey, I got this song that I wrote. It's called All Shut Down, that I had written after Dave Gregg passed away from DOA. Just, I think all of the people dying just... Uh, came in at once and really affected and I wrote that song after that and I had done vocals and everything but I saw in Mike he would the perfect song for him to sing and we we're going to do this record called Fame Whore and he sang it and it's great and I wrote some other songs Fuck You Fame Whore and a few other things running theme yeah yeah, right, yeah. What's that? Running theme. Totally. But I, think I, wrote, everything, I wrote Fuck You Fame Whore after. Anyway, so Michael's in town, and it's the morning of the video shoot. Yeah. And we had the, what, a foam core, so yeah, it was called, yeah. where Michael put Fame Whore. And I was like, you know, it needs something more yeah. to make it stronger and to... to and I was like, how about fuck you, fame whore? Yeah. I mean, living in L.A., it's kind of the perfect thing. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. It yeah. kind of does, right? Yeah. So Michael put it on the, the foam core board, and I was like, yes. We had, actually, yeah. we agreed. We were like, <laughs> yes, this is, you know, it, it takes it to a different place than just fame whore. It does. It does, yeah. really. It's, it's funny. Like, I yeah, we, have... <laughs> and, I, and I, I wear the shirt out in LA sometimes, and it it kind of transcends the band or the. It's such a it's a strong statement. It's a very strong statement. But it's and everybody can kind of whether they appreciate the swearing on it, the sentiment. Yeah, yeah. Being such a sensationalistic time we live in, with the Kardashians and this, you know, like. You know, one yeah. might say that there are no talent. Yeah. I, I, I certainly wouldn't. Yeah. But some people might allegedly say that. Allegedly. 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 Um, well, it sure gets noticed, that's for sure. People yeah. who, there's this big band. I went to see Michael Monroe, who used to be in Hanoi Rocks at the, the Roxy play. And I was going in and out all night, cigarettes. And I was leaving, and this bouncer, this huge black bouncer, stops me on the way out. When I'm actually leaving, I was like, uh oh. What did I do? He goes, man, I got to get me one of those. Yeah. It's perfect. And it, and it really hit me how wide it theoretically could reach yeah. in terms of just just the statement, you know? It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. You just never know in this world, right? You know, some of the stuff that I've done that I just never, I just whipped off that I never thought at all would be successful was the most successful. And the stuff I labor over like crazy, and I just polish and polish and polish. People go, yeah, well, whatever. And you, you just never know, you know. I mean, I do remember the afternoon of sitting in by the pool in the in the morning, you know, going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? 
And, you know, we always go out and do something. I've done maybe eight or nine or ten videos with Richard, and I mean, I'll tell you the truth. How many? Oh, I haven't counted. Yeah, seven or eight, yeah. I don't know. Six or seven. Seven. But whatever we do, we really kind of, you know, sort of know what we're going to (laughs) do. We have the best of intentions. (laughs) You know, that's all I'm going to say. We just go out and sort of do it the way we did it on the beachcombers. But much like yourself, doing your yearly Mm. thing, it's like... And I have a tattoo. It's actually from a Johnny Thunder song. You, know, you got to walk that walk if you're going to talk that talk. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing, like, Facebook has been amazing for me in doing what I do. And I, you know, people use it for different reasons. And sometimes it, you know, my opinion, it's, but I use it for. I try to use it for good, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. humor, music, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's, a pl- it's a platform that keeps me creating. Yeah. And if I can continue to create, then I can continue to live and just, and just not just live, but thrive. Yes, right? and, and exactly. I, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive in this like world. It. And some people can like what we do, and some people get, oh, there's the two fucking RDs are at it again with their profanity and everything else. But you know what they, you know, God bless them, and they can do whatever they want. But the truth of the matter is, we're Richard doing and I, it. we're doing, we're well, doing we're, something. We're doing something. Absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be loved by everybody, but it, but it needs to be done. And as today's a, you know, when I first met Richard, it was because uh, a very significant person in my life had passed away, and I, I could have gone down two roads at that point. I mean, I, I could have just gone down the woe is me, lament myself, and just throw it all in. Or I could just get up and embrace what happened. And I met Richard just really right when it was awful, really, truly awful. And uh, I went down with him, and we just started doing stuff. And uh, when I look back at some of those photographs, I mean, I, I, I can see, you know, the, there's grief and terror in my face and really sort of just dragging my ass through it all. And we have to carry on. I mean, today is another fucking Absolutely. day. Richard and I came home, you know, this afternoon, and uh, I get a phone call, and an extraordinarily close friend of ours passed away today. And we started talking, and it's I mean, it, all all that we have in this world is this moment, and we must do continue to participate in this world, or else really kiss my ass. What else have we got? We got a bunch of stories, you know, like Richard likes to say, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And, the, you know, we got tons of good stories. <laughs> like, but, but, the, but we're alive. We're here. Beautiful. You know, I, I'm 62 fucking years old, and I'm, I'm sitting here on the radio talking about crazy shit. Contributing. Uh, Contributing. You know. you know, if some young kids can hear what we did. I mean, uh, there's, there's one thing that we're, we both, Richard and I, talk about all the time and that have been massively successful at. And it goes, and I was going to interrupt you when you were talking about personality crisis he mentioned to me a long time ago that those guys would get up in the morning and play all day then they get hammered and then they'd play all night then they go to bed and they'd play all day get hammered and play all night and they did that over and over and over again it wasn't like they played in five bands and they kind of threw together a quickie rehearsal and try to figure it out and that's how you and then you take that shit on the road and that's how you get noticed absolutely right? that's and, and i did that Cause, because I, I had no friends or relatives when I first moved here. I had to shoot film. I had to work. So I was stealing film from the beachcombers and doing my own still photography. Right, and uh, my brother helped me in some some of the early music videos. It's okay, the statute of limitations <laughs> is long right. over. Uh, we did not steal film from the CBC. But it's but it, but in the early sorry Trudeau, the. Uh, the first Art Bergman video that I did, uh, uh, which was uh, Empty House, uh, some friends of mine were in the movie business, and they, they had me spent uh, $500,000 building a cave at the Bridge Theater, Bridge Studios, and uh, in a few months building it. And just before they were shoot, uh, they canceled the movie. So the movie was done. So I got a call on Friday night going, Michael, you can shoot whatever you want in this cave you have it for 48 hours Monday morning at 9 o'clock they're coming in with the bulldozers to tear it apart demolish a half a million dollars dollars set set. (laughs) so uh, it was uh, uh, I I went and allegedly allegedly borrowed some lights from the CBC (laughs) and borrowed a camera from the CBC 
and thought, who, who best, what best band can I get to, to partake in this thing that not only fits the cape, but will also do what you did, right? Take it and promote themselves and move further, further down the path with it. And Art Bergman won, and we went and we did it, and it, it was one of the most successful videos of the time. And, guys, that was 1985. Can people find that online? Is they that, can uh, find that online. What do they call that? The Art video? Bergman. Art Bergman, what's the name of the song? Uh, the Art song Bergman. is uh, Empty House. Okay. Won't you come home to my empty house? I'm all alone except for my right. former spouse. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then and then I ended up doing another song. I mean, Richard writes great words, but but uh, honestly, nobody can top the Art Bergman line. It's like uh, I'm a never was trying to be a has been <clears throat> by the age of fifty five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm going right on. I love that. I mean, never was. <coughs> so anyway, the, the trick is to just uh, keep moving. The Grim Reaper is standing uh, on my shoulder, I get and that. he is going to catch me while I'm running, I not when it. I'm sitting in front of the TV. I love it. We're running short on time, but I want to talk about one more thing, and that's yeah. the, the health issues that you've gone through in the yeah. last couple of years. Maybe there, there's, there's a lot of people out there that love you, and uh, they know that something happened to you, but they don't really know what happened to you. You want to give us a, an well, update the, on the, that, a little the, bit of history? The TV Guide is version is uh, I, was, I was about to, to do something, right? I had been given the opportunity of a lifetime uh, to make a movie, and in order to, to take that movie, you have to get uh, uh, do a physical in order to get insurance and blah, blah, blah. So I did all of that, and they discovered I had cancer. So I was out. Boom, done. So post-traumatic stress syndrome. One minute I'm here doing this, the next minute I'm standing here uh, doing radiation and chemo and all that other shit. What kind of cancer did you have? Uh, prostate cancer is where it started, you know, a long time ago, but then it's progressed into all kinds of other things. Uh, uh, it's never really been cured. It goes into remission and it wanders back again and then it goes into remission. And you're in remission right um, now? I, I, I have what they call chronic CLL, which is chronic lymphoma leukemia. So it's uh, in my blood. I just got to stay with it, you know, stay, manage it, and keep doing my thing. But uh, I feel good. I feel very good. And you can live forever with this shit. So they, they got this stuff figured out. Uh, I trust my doctors. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, when I can get hold of him. I, I played a doctor on tour yeah, once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Doctor Vic Duguay was yeah. my <laughs> moniker. Anyway, but the but the, the and, and and thank you for saving my life. So the uh, the, the the real trick is like the, the health comes from participating in in what you got going on, right? You, Absolutely. You, you know, you you can you have a choice, and you just I want to be remembered for what I'm going to do tomorrow, yeah, not what yeah. I did yesterday. Yeah. Not done. Not doing doing the things that need to be done yet. Yeah. That's how I feel. That's that's why I've taken an interest in my oh. uh, my health and welfare and uh, yeah. all that stuff. Give yourself the I'm best not, shots you can. I'm not done. No. Fuck! I'm going on the road with you, G. I want to go on. The I road. hope you're going, I'm on, going the on the road. Is, road with is this going to be? A, is this no TBD? Am I going to be? Rd Kane is going to the doctor this? this Wednesday. This Wednesday, oh, I will find yeah, out yeah. if the doctor gives me the high five. Am I'm I invited to road. this? You can come on the road. Yeah, you can you can we could probably you can play clear base. a seat for you if you <laughs> if you want to come. Seem exclusionary. You want to do two months in Canada this summer? I could probably do some. Uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, lots of opportunity there. I have uh, an an amazing acoustic act. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a lot of acoustic it's, songs. It's, yeah. I'd love to have you on board. Let's uh, let's talk about that a little later. In your ukulele. Uh, awesome. Let's my, mention my, uh, actually, accordion. <laughs> actually, I'm going to bring my accordion act out just for you. Yeah. I would appreciate that. Yeah, let's talk about uh, for a minute ah. the new album. Richard Duguay has just released a new album. It's called uh, "Lead Us to Temptation." Hey, pretty, pretty snazzy front cover. Pretty snazzy uh, pictures co there. Was cover that, uh, shot by my my brother R.D. Kane. Beautiful thing, R.D. Kane. R. And these are all original songs. Uh, except no, uh, what's Carmelita. no? Except for Carmelita, which is a Warren, oh, yeah. Z, Warren right. Zevon song. Yep. Uh, yeah, just the uh, song "Fuck You, Fame Whore" is on this album. It is on this yeah. album. Um, I sing on that song. I and my, and Michael is actually sing oh, my singing. Singing might be a, a little <laughs> bit of a stretch. Allegedly, that's he, a good story, but that's for a whole he, other uh, podcast. He, <laughs> he did have a microphone in front of sure, him. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, and there's uh, the lead off. Not the lead off. That wouldn't be fair. But the new opening track. The, the new video. Oh, new video, right? That Michael did. 
when he was in Los Angeles in November. It just came out last Tuesday, Tuesday doing really good on... For which song? Uh, I Gotta Move. I Gotta Move, the opening track. The opening the track is the new video, and it's right. doing pretty killer on uh, social media. Where are you nice. playing That's on great. Friday? Oh, I am playing um, Pub 340 Friday night. Friday, Friday. Uh, February 16th. February 16th. Uh, Rebel Priest are playing with me in my band, as, long, as, as well as uh, Mr. Ron Reyes is playing guitar. Oh, my goodness. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a rip-roaring time. That sounds really fun. That's fun. Yes. I'll be in Kelowna. If I wasn't in Kelowna, I'd be I'd be there. But I'm playing Doc Kelo- Willoughby's with Skeeter and the Deets in Kelowna. Oh, awesome. Doc Willoughby's. Yeah. Well, say hey to the doc. I'll say hey to the doc. <laughs> the good doctor. The good doctor. good doctor. All right, that was really fun, you guys. Awesome. I, I really uh, want to thank you both for, for Thanks, taking Gito. the time to come down and talk to us about, uh, about everything. It's awesome. Thanks for thank doing you what much. you do, dude. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I wish you luck for uh, the doctors on Wednesday, and hopefully ah. he gives you the clear to, uh, to come and travel with us. Clear to take off. Yeah, well, we'll see. That we'll would be see. Fun. Mean, yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we should talk if you want a piece of that, too. There's, uh, there's definitely open seats on uh, several parts of the tour. Would, guys uh, come and go. They fly, fly in. And I would fly love to. I think that would be amazing. I would love yeah. to be a part of it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's all I want to do. Bigger and better every year. Yeah. All right. I think Should that's we, it. Uh, mention uh, Float House. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to thank the Float House for uh, for allowing us to do the uh, the podcast here in the room. This is a fantastic room full of uh, all the gadgets that are needed to uh, to capture this type of thing we are uh, coming to you live from an isolation tank as we <laughs> speak this, this room is kind of like an isolation what tank. is isolation what we're, is we're isolated tank? from the rest of the that's true Flotos, that's for sure totally. uh intergalactic interviews uh i think you can get a what is it 10 percent off 20 percent off, off uh, your, uh, next float next float if you use ii podcast yeah lowercase when I, booking a uh, uh, float at the float house Wow, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Float House is rad. Yeah. I mean, where else are you going to find <laughs> a better one? I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. What do they have here? They have cryotherapy in here, here yeah, now, Yeah, also too. they do have They're uh, expanding. Vancouver this, cryotherapy. Uh, this is all stuff that helps, helps the body and mind. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. cool. My yeah. kind of place. Yeah. Great. Spa for your mind. Spa for your mind. Cool. All right. Dinner time. Thanks, oh, nice. every, thanks everybody. Thanks, uh, everybody. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, guys we'll, awesome. uh, we'll talk to you next week.